Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Well, we're still in our series on the Lord's Prayer, and um, we've been breaking down the Lord's Prayer each week. The first week we talked about our Father and the idea that, uh, that God is our Heavenly Father, that He is our Abba, uh, that if you were living in, in uh, first century Palestine, you, you might have been scandalized by that term because the, the Jews never referred to God in that kind of intimacy, that God was way up here and, and they were down here and Jesus is saying, yes, but, but God's kingdom is coming. And we address God, we address Yahweh as our Father, that you have permission, you have the privilege of doing that, and he addressed uh, his father as Abba, as Dad. And yet then he said, holy is your name, that, that you're both a dad, a loving father, and you are holy, and you are righteous, and your name is above every name. So uh, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. And then Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and the part that really strikes me about this is that that prayer is that, God, what you have in heaven, bring it to earth, your kingdom, that we're citizens of his kingdom, that we're part of the kingdom of God. And, and you know, one of the things that means is it's a great privilege to know that we belong to him, that we're in his kingdom, but it also means that I'm not the king of the kingdom, that he is. And I get those switched sometimes. I think I'm supposed to be the king of my kingdom, and I'm reminded that he's the king, and I've been invited into his kingdom, and so I live my life in his, for his favor. I live my life to, to honor him, uh, not for myself, and it's a great reminder. Your kingdom come, your will, God, not my will be done, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Last week we talked about give us this day our daily bread and, and we talked about the idea that it's give us this day our daily bread, that God has reminded us that we are dependent on him for all the things in our lives and that not just us, but that we pray for everyone. We pray for the world that needs food. We pray for the world that, that needs care. Uh, we pray for the world that doesn't know Jesus, that we're all included in that. And this morning, we have a simple little thing uh, that's forgive us our debts as um, we also have forgiven our debtors and it would be so much easier if it just had ended it halfway through that sentence, right? Okay, Lord, forgive us our debts. Now, some of you uh, grew up saying forgive us our trespasses, which is just way too long. So, no, I'm kidding, that's not why. Um, it's forgive us our debt. It actually, um, in oh, about 1562, William Tyndale, uh, this English scholar and Bible teacher, did his own translation of the New Testament, and, and he translated, he decided that forgive us our debts, or forgive us our sins, really, um, translated better from, for him as trespasses, and so that caught on in a lot of traditions. So some of you grew up saying trespasses, some of you grew up saying debts, and you're really obviously saying the same thing because what it really means is sin. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Now, it's, one, it's, it's really, though, awesome to say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me of my sin, and Jesus said, well, there's actually, here's part two. 
is that you're called to forgive others of their sins against you. Uh, forgive debtors, that that's part of the call. So we're gonna talk about both of those pieces of it this morning, and I just wanna say up front that I know it's complicated, and I know that some of you may get just a little bit angry at me because I, you'll feel like I'm telling you to do something that you don't wanna do. So let me just say off the top, I'm reading the Bible, okay? So if you have a problem, if you got an issue, don't yell at me, yell at you know, the guy that is responsible for the Bible, okay? That's what we're gonna do. All right, just wanted to clear that up. Everybody okay? All right, thank you. Um, in, uh, <clears throat> there was a Chinese pastor that I read about in the late 1940s and loved Jesus. He was a pastor in, in China and the communists came in and they shut down the churches and they took him prisoner, but they actually took his church and they turned it into an umbrella factory. They made it into a factory, and he was forced to work <coughs> in this factory, and his job was to make umbrella handles. So he went from pastoring this church to being an umbrella handle maker in the late 1940s. He, uh, he, he also, during that time, would be you know interrogated, beaten, humiliated, um, all of those things. He was released from that in the 1980s. That he went through that all of those years from the late 1940s to sometime in the 1980s until he was released uh, from uh, basically being condemned, being uh, imprisoned in his own church that he pastored uh, and made them make umbrella handles. And someone asked him years later, if he was angry at those who imprisoned him. His response was fascinating uh, because here's what he said. He said, I can't be angry at them for all they've done because that would give them too much power in my life. That would give them too much authority in who I am that if I can't forgive them and release them, then they control, they have, <laughs> our speaker Bill Page said this weekend that, uh, that uh, somebody's living rent-free in your head. And that's the idea that when we can't forgive, that we give somebody that place in our heart and our mind that, that, that they don't deserve, uh, that's not of the Lord. And so he calls us and this Chinese pastor expressed it so beautifully uh, that he says, I've decided not to give my tormentors that much enjoyment. So one of the most vivid images that we have in the New Testament is the image of a running man. Paul talks about it. He was part of the Isthmian Games and talked about you know, submitting or, or um, uh, uh, becoming aggressively uh, taking control of our bodies and exercise and not beating the air and, and having discipline, disciplining ourselves and um, those kinds of things. And then we have this one story in the New Testament in Luke 15 that all of you are familiar with called the prodigal son. And the prodigal son, one scholar, uh, N.T. Wright, uh, New Testament scholar, said that he wished that we hadn't named that story the prodigal son, but he wished that we'd named that story the running father. 
uh, because that's really the heart of the story. You see, we think so often, and we've grown up hearing this story, and we think so often that this story is about the boy who went to his father one day and said, Dad, I can't wait for you to die, uh, that I want my inheritance now, and I want to go out and do what I want to do. And so the story in Luke 15, the parable that Jesus said, is that the father uh, sold property, he divided his assets, and he gave his son his part, and his son went off and he squandered all of his money and partying and prostitutes and everything you can imagine, and he used up all of his money, and when it was all done, and he's starving to death, and there's a famine in the land, that he finally got a, a, a job feeding the pigs on some farmer's uh, uh, on some farmer's lawn or yard and he's there in the middle of the pigs and it hits him one day that even his father's servants live better than him. Even his father's servants have a better life. So he rehearses this story and you're all familiar with it. He's gonna go back to his dad and he's gonna say, Dad, I've sinned against you and God and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son but would you take me back on as a hired servant because even your servants live better than I do. And again, if you remember the story, if you remember what the story is about, that, that the son then leaves the pig farm and he's walking back to his father. But what do you remember about the father? The story says that the father is looking, that he's looking down the road, he's looking far off for his son. And when he sees his son coming, he doesn't, he doesn't give him a face. You know, uh, he, he doesn't practice his speech or his rejection. He doesn't start to turn red with anger. Who is that ungrateful kid think he is? But his father, it says, left where he was. He left the front porch. He pulled up his toga and he sprinted toward his son. And one of the things, if you were listening again in the first century, that was scandalous about this is that, that that is just not something that an older, dignified man would do, that you wouldn't be caught dead running, that that wasn't dignified. Now, we're into running these days, right? And we have billion-dollar enterprise with buy running shoes and running pants and shorts and tops, and, you know, you guys know the whole routine. There's whole stores that are just about running, and so we've kind of made this, this fashion deal and it's something that people love to do. And back then, children ran when they played. But the older you got, the less dignified that was and you would never be caught running. So here's a father who so loves his son that he's been waiting for his son to come back. He's been looking down the road for that son and when he sees them, he humiliates himself. He doesn't, he doesn't think about how his son has already humiliated him by saying, Father, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. Give me my part of the inheritance now. But he runs to his son, and the story is really about the running father. It's not about the son. You see, because the son is us, right? The son is how we have said, God, I want to do my own thing, how we have lived our lives for ourselves, how we have squandered everything that we have so just for our own enjoyment, for our own pleasure, all of those things. And now, and then we decide, man, I have messed up my life. I can't do this anymore. I'm completely lost. I'm going I'm to make my way back to God. And what we find is that he's been looking for us. And he runs to us in his love for us, that he has been waiting to forgive us. And depending on your life, that can be an overwhelming 
thought. That can be an overwhelming idea. In fact, it's so hard for us to contemplate sometimes that God could love us after all that we've done, after how rebellious we've been, how many mistakes we've made, that that God could really forgive us and, and, and run to us. And so sometimes I think we reject this whole notion because we don't, we don't wanna think of it like that. We, we can't imagine somebody with that kind of love, that kind of grace that would come to us like that. And, and so we hold back. And, and one of the problems with people like us who are in the church is that often we're really good at asking forgiveness, but we stink at receiving forgiveness. We're horrible. We can, we can say, oh God, I'm so sorry that I did that again. I, I, know, I know I shouldn't have been watching HBO at that time of night. And I, forgive me again, Lord, because that's the, like the 30th time I've asked for forgiveness for that. That's, you know, like the 100th time that, that I've had to confess that, that, that I didn't tell the truth in that situation and, and forgive me for that. And, and we can ask for forgiveness and we do that fairly well, a lot of us, but we are terrible at receiving forgiveness. We're terrible at recognizing that that God who loves us is running toward us and he is prepared to forgive us, but we hold on. And here's Jesus saying, pray, forgive us our debts. He's inviting us to take those debts, to take those sins and give them to the Lord. That he's inviting us to forgiveness and we have to learn how to receive God's forgiveness. One of the things that's been helpful for me in my life is just simply to, to learn that, that repentance includes replacement and uh, that, that, Lord, I'm repenting of something and I want to replace it. I'm, I, I'm, I've been angry at that person and I want to replace that anger with love for them. And, I wanna, now, and then I want to receive your forgiveness. That, that real repentance requires an act on my part. You see, repentance means to change your mind. Literally, it comes from two Greek words, metanoia, and it means that I was going one direction and I turn and I go another direction, that that requires action on our part. And so always in our repentance, that not only do we simply repent, but we say, Lord, I wanna replace that. I wanna replace that sin with something that honors you. And then I wanna receive your forgiveness. I want to be free. I want to be clean. And we often forget that. So we simply repent. We simply confess. And then we hold on to those things in our lives. And so sometimes we need a shocking story like the running father because our generation has either forgotten about repentance or we've trivialized it. You know, we live in a culture that, that believes more in do what feels good or do what you want to do. And uh, then, it, then it wants to stand on the authority of truth or the authority of scripture. And sometimes we need to be reminded that God has called us to repentance, that he's call, he is our heavenly father. He's called us into his kingdom where he is king, where he is Lord, and he has called us into repentance as part of being in his kingdom. And we can't substitute tolerance for true forgiveness. You know, tolerance... Uh, uh, isn't what the father intended. Uh, it, it, uh, tolerance wouldn't, uh, the intolerant father wouldn't be running down the road to receive his son. 
uh, he'd be saying, I'll, I'll let you come in, let's take a shot at this, let's just pretend, you know, nothing happened. But, it, but a forgiving father runs down the road to meet his son. Forgiveness is richer, it's higher, it's harder, it's more shocking than we usually think, and it's what Jesus invites us to pray for. Let's look at another passage in Luke chapter 15. Uh, we'll look at the prodigal son. It says, he arose and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before uh, you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, not only did he forgive him, but here's how he showed him. He said, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this is my, my son was dead and is alive again and he was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. And how many times have we prayed this prayer, Lord, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, and, and then, we've, then we haven't moved on to the next part as we also have forgiven those who've sinned against us, uh, forgiven our debtors, that we wanna leave out that second part, but God doesn't give us that, that option. One, one of the things that I found in my life is that when I struggle to receive forgiveness, often it's because I'm holding on to my bitterness towards somebody else. Often it's, it's, it's because I'm holding on to anger against somebody else or I'm, I'm holding on to something against another person and it keeps me from receiving forgiveness in my own life. And it's not until I release that and say, Lord, I'm gonna give that to you. Uh, I, I wanna give that burden over to you that then I can really receive forgiveness in my life. That those two things are tied together that Jesus said, I want you to understand, Here, here's the picture that I, I want you to have, it is that I have called you into my kingdom, and, and I've died on a cross for you, and I've given all of those things, and now I'm inviting you into this relationship with me, but we come together even at the Lord's Supper once a month, or, or we come together on Sunday mornings, and we're reminded that we still need forgiveness today. That, that I, I'm, okay, I'll just confess, I need forgiveness every day. In fact, I'm pretty sure I need forgiveness multiple times every day, and Jesus continues to forgive me. He continues to be gracious for me. He's the running father who continues to come and embrace me and give me forgiveness. And now he says, now I want you to live your life that way. I want you to experience my forgiveness, I want you to experience my grace, and then I want you to go and live that out in the world. You know, the, the rest of the prodigal son uh, that's pretty important is that the older brother wouldn't forgive. And if you read that story, you realize he was so bound up in his pride and he was so bound up in his anger at his brother and he was so bound up in his own righteousness and all of those things that he wouldn't forgive his brother, he wouldn't come to the party, and he had to stay like that. I, I don't know, think about this for just a second. How would you want to live your life? You, you want to live your life free and celebrating the forgiveness of Jesus and how you can forgive others? Or do you want to live your life angry and bound up and never being willing to come to the party because you're so, you're so 
mad, you're so bitter about feeling like you got the raw end of the deal, feeling like life wasn't fair. Hey, you know what? It isn't fair, but it's filled with grace. And so sometimes we have to decide, what, what is my life? Am I gonna receive forgiveness and am I gonna offer forgiveness or am I gonna live like the older brother? <clears throat> you know, one of the beautiful things about this parable is Jesus doesn't finish it. <clears throat> he, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, and so the older brother said, ah, Dad, you're right, I am so sorry. Let me come to the party and embrace my brother. We don't get that in there. Jesus just lets the story sit. And I believe he lets it sit so that all of us can put an ending to that story. All of us can decide, am I gonna live in that bitterness? Am I gonna live in holding on to that in my life that just builds a, a knot in my heart? Am I gonna let my younger brother live rent-free in my head instead of enjoying the grace and the love of Jesus that he offers for me? We have to decide. And so here's where, here's where you know, you got, I know you love me, and we're friends, but this is where you start to get a little mad at me because there are just some people that you don't want to forgive. How dare you tell me to forgive that person? You don't know what they've done, Larry. You don't know how, what, you don't know how rotten they are. You don't know how much pain I've endured. And, and I just have this response, okay? Try going to the cross. And on the cross, looking down at the religious leaders who are supposed to know everything, and the Roman soldiers, and try saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then you come back and tell me how much you deserve to hold on to your anger, and hold on to your bitterness, and hold on to your resentment about another person. Just put yourself on the cross. Put yourself in Jesus' place. How, how does he want us to live? And what does real freedom and celebration look like? You know, this... Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors is the only part of the Lord's prayer that Jesus adds to at the end of the prayer. And in verses 14 and 15, he says this, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive uh, others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespassers. Boom. Man. And, and it's okay with me if you, you want to tell God, that's not fair, God. I'm just telling you it's the words of Jesus. And I'm telling you that Jesus wants us to live free. And he doesn't want us to hold on to anger and bitterness and all of those things. But he wants us to live in the fullness of his spirit. And to do that, we need to be prepared to let go of those things and to allow the love of Christ to fill us, to guide us. Let me just give you a couple more verses before we close. Matthew 18, verses 21, 22. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Okay, Lord, let's qualify this a little bit, okay? <laughs> Don't we do that? Okay, but okay, Lord, wait, okay, I get it that you want me to forgive people, but there's, okay, there's gotta be, I have, I need boundaries, all right, there's gotta be a limit to this, seriously. So how about seven times? And you know what, I, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think that Peter had somebody in mind. <laughs> I think he had a brother in mind. There was somebody living rent-free in his head, and he comes to Jesus, and, and he says, okay, 
this, this is a bad, this, I'm really, I'm holding, I'm mad at this guy. How many times do I need to forgive him? Seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Keep forgiving him. And you know why Jesus could say that? Because he keeps forgiving us. And you could take my 77 from Jesus and you could multiply it by I don't know how many, and I still wouldn't make it. If that was my criteria, okay, Lord, how many times do I have to do that? Jesus says, no, you just keep forgiving as I forgive you. So, so maybe the rule of thumb should be, Larry, I want you to forgive him as many times as I've forgiven you. I'm, now what do I do? Because I know Jesus forgives me multiple times every day, that he has run toward me. Another great little story about a woman in Luke 7th chapter. And a Pharisee, one of the religious leaders, asked Jesus to his home for a meal. And the story says that as they're reclining at the table, and it's a big deal because meals were, meals were a social occasion. You know, there were no drive-throughs. You know, there, were no, there was no fast food. You'd go to somebody's house and you would recline at a table and this could go on for hours and the most honored guest would sit at the head and the idea was you'd get somebody like Jesus or a famous rabbi or a famous, you know, important person and, and you'd have these long discussions and you'd sit for hours around the food and the conversation and all of these things. And so Jesus has invited this religious leader's house, but he's not really for Jesus and Jesus comes in and he's reclining at the table and he's there, but, but no one you know, washes his feet. No one treats him as an honored guest. And suddenly this woman bursts into the room and the story says that she's, she's weeping and she has an expensive alabaster of ointment and she stands behind Jesus at his feet weeping and she began to wet her feet with his tears and wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. And now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if Jesus was the real deal, if he was a prophet, he would know who this woman is. Uh, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. She's a bad person. And Jesus answered him and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he goes on to talk about a moneylender who had two debtors, one who owned a hundred denarii and another who owned 50. And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. That's a huge amount of money. And now which one of them will love him the most? And the Pharisee Simon answered and said, the one I suppose from whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to uh, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, he never, he never sugarcoats that part of it, her, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
go in peace. You know, I made a recent discovery. Um, I, I discovered erasable pens. <laughs> it's awesome. Okay, go to Office Max. You can find them erasable pens. So they're these great old gel pens, right? And they've got an eraser at the top, and you can actually write things. So I, you know, do my calendar, my task list, all those things. And, and but if I mess up something or my calendar changes, I can go in and erase it. It's a miracle. And you know, so because you always had to write in pencil, now I can write in pen again. And if it's something's wrong, I can erase it. And and, and this is how we approach life so often, is that we think our sin is written in indelible ink, that our sin is written in ink and that we can never get away from it. We can never escape it. We can never be free from it. And Jesus says, look, I want you to discover that I have an erasable pen. And though your sins were like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. That I have taken your sin and I've separated as far as the east is from the west. That it's no more so here's my last thing. Some friend of mine, Brennan Manning, gave a talk once. And he was an alcoholic. He'd been a priest for 29 years and then got married. And uh, he was an alcoholic. And I mean, a dead drunk in the street alcoholic. And God redeemed him from that. And he was overwhelmed by the love of Christ. So he stood up in front of a huge group of people one night and he said, you know, we worship a God who died on the cross for our sins. Jesus, who came and he lived a perfect life, but he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he, and he became obedient to the point of death and he died on a cross so that we might be forgiven, that Jesus went to the, all, he went to the complete end for us. He went to every length possible so that we might be forgiven of our sins and then he looked out at the crowd and he said, how dare you not forgive yourself? If Christ died for our sins, if Christ died for our forgiveness, then he said, I want you to forgive yourself. I want you to be reminded every day of how much Jesus loves you, what you've been forgiven. And then not only do I want you to be forgiven, but in that forgiveness, I want you to forgive others. I want you to be free of that bitterness. I want you to be free of that anger. Maybe even that self-righteousness like the older brother thinking, I'm the good one. I'm the good guy. They don't deserve that. Jesus didn't deserve the cross. He responded out of love. Let's just love and let's live like Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for how you use it in our lives. Uh, Lord, we have all of these issues. We admit it, that every day we need your forgiveness and, and you offer it to us. Lord, uh, we also hold grudges because we're human. That's part of our sin and, and yet, Lord, you've forgiven us and you call us to forgive others and we can't do it on our own. So, Lord, we ask, Lord, as part of the forgiveness in our lives that you would teach us to forgive others, that we might really be free of those things, that we might not carry around the imprisonment of anger and bitterness and our own, maybe our own self-righteousness. 
So Lord, speak to our hearts today, and we trust you. We believe in you, Lord. It's not on our own strength, but it's because of who you are. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves. Your will be done, Lord, not my will. In heaven is, and on earth as it is in heaven. We love you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. You guys remember Corey Tenboom, right? Famous lady. She was a, a, a Dutch family. They lived in Amsterdam. They, they hid people during the Holocaust, uh, Jews that were sent to concentration camps and they were arrested and she and her sister went to the same concentration camp and her sister died there and uh, in 1947 uh, after World War II she was take, being taken around and she was, had speaking engagements talk about her faith and surviving in the concentration camp and this man approached her after one of her talks and uh, he had been a Nazi guard and he had stood guard at the showers uh, that the women went into, and all of a sudden, they're, they're there face to face, and she froze. He, he came to her seeking forgiveness, and, and she froze. Her sister had died in that concentration camp. She had you know, experienced horrors there, and she's praying, Lord, I don't want to forgive this man. I hate these men. I, and, 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 and somehow the, the forgiveness of Christ in her life overcame her and before she realized what she was saying she said I forgive you and they embraced in this long uh, embrace and what Corey Tinbroom writes uh, in her biography is the redemption that came in that moment when she was free of that uh, when she let go of that injustice and she let go of that hatred and anger and not only did she uh, forgive, but she complete, she received forgiveness in her own life for the all that she was, and while she's speaking, right, while she's going around talking to people about the love of Jesus and his protection, she was holding all of that in her heart, and God cleansed her from all of that, and I think that's the word that the Lord has for us this morning, is that he wants us to receive forgiveness, he wants us to embrace his forgiveness, and then it's out of that unbelievable love, that forgiveness that he has, that he wants us to to forgive others. He wants us to live in that kind of wholeness. And my prayer is simply that we will experience not only the forgiveness of Christ, but what it means uh, to forgive others. I love you guys. God bless.